The Second Act podcast is brought to you by Chin Whiskers Beard and Hair Care. Chin Whiskers is an affordable, Canadian-made, 100% natural men's grooming line. It's available at your local Tommy Guns Original Barbershop, Amazon, or at chinwhiskers.ca. Welcome to the Second Act podcast. Welcome to today's episode of the Second Act Podcast. We have a great guest today. We were able to finally, after a couple of weeks of, uh, of schedules not jiving, uh, catch up with Katie Burrell. She's a, a content creator and, and a movie uh, director, producer, actress who, uh, who works out of Revelstoke, BC and, and primarily is in the, the skiing kind of niche market. But, but she's done so many different things in her life that it, it's kind of seems unfair to, to lump it with that. Uh, she does uh, a bunch of different things with her uh, KBTV Instagram channel and uh, www.katieburrelltv.com. And it's it's just interesting to, to sit down and talk with her. I'll be honest that uh, I, I was fairly intimidated after, you know, researching her online and stuff like that. It, it, the, the line between uh, KBTV and, and Katie Burrell wasn't obvious to me and and I wasn't sure you know what what it was going to be when we sat down and uh you know we had like I said we had a couple of missteps um a huge shout out to uh Sophie Maltby who who was able to work with with both of us and get it to to line up and then uh and then we sat down and I, and I was just honest with her I said look I uh after the research I've done with you I, I don't know what to expect and she kind of chuckled and said she gets that and and really couldn't have been more gracious and and uh, forthcoming with all the things that that I asked her about, and and she just offered a lot of stuff that that wasn't on my my show sheet, and we talked, you know, a lot about how she, you know, was doing a nine to five, and and it wasn't fulfilling. She knew she had this fire in her, and and things she wanted to do, so she just kept figuring out ways to to get that creative outlet and figure out a way to to take that to the people to satisfy that that passion inside of her. And eventually she gets to the point where she's going to go and do it full time and she quits her nine to five and um, she she's out there doing it and she's, you know, got a, a team of people around her and she's got some people that she works with and they've kind of fallen into uh, a couple of really, you know, neat things where, where they're able to, you know, she's she's got a digital short out there called Dream Job and she she actually did a, a movie called Coach that's uh that was out and, and, and then online and, and now it's been pulled because it's it's going to go into the Banff Film Festival in November. So a year after something like that, the the interest was drummed up and, and there for her to, to kind of pull it back and put it back into the film festival. And, and that's really exciting because like she says in the interview, you, you just don't know how those things are going to be received and, and how people are going to react. She is working on a, on a proper feature and, uh, and there's going to be more of Katie Burrell. You know, you're going to hear about her if you're if you're looking for that sort of thing. And it, it's it's a lot of fun to to sit down with her and kind of hear in her words and her her terms of of how it's gotten to this point and how she's she manages it. It's it's not all easy. She talks about the physical demands of what she does and how that you know plays mentally into into everything that she does. And and it's uh it's it's a really a good interesting talk. Unfortunately, we did have a little bit of audio issues at, right at the very beginning, and I had to cut cut some of the intro out. So it's not going to sound exactly like the Second Act podcast kind of has, but um, but she does kind of circle back and, and give us a brief update of uh, who she was, kind of where she grew up, college, and that kind of stuff. And then and then we just kind of kick into it because that's ultimately that's the that's the reason why we're here. That's the interesting, exciting part. So uh, please, without any further ado. Welcome, Katie Burrell. Yeah, so I was raised on, I mean, I was born in Powell River, and then I grew up on Vancouver Island and went to university, correct, McGill, Montreal, for debaucherous years. Sometimes reflecting on those years, my girlfriends and I are like, how did, are we all alive? <laughs> it was trouble at times, but um, got out of there with a decent GPA and a degree. And I, I spent a bit of time in Switzerland on a gap year right before that. I always was really pulled to skiing and the mountains and, and playing in the snow and all that sort of stuff. But I had always kind of just assumed, oh, like I'll, one day I'll just go to law school and get a, a degree and just get a real job kind of a thing. And so after, um, after 
university, I moved straight to Revelstoke and did the one one season thing like I'll just do one season and here I am 10 years later I've left a few times like I, I was in LA for a bit I was in Vancouver off and on like I've, I've lived since a time in both those places but I keep coming back to this town and um there's so much about it that I just love so much and I've turned playing in the playing and goofing around on the internet into a career somehow so <laughs> here we are in Revelstoke Right. So, with, like, I, I seen on the internet you had, there's there's videos of you, like, doing open mic stand-up and stuff like that. Look, it looked like when you were when you're in Quebec. Like, have you always kind of been, like, you know, a performer's the wrong word, but somebody who is fine enough to get up in front and, and I mean, kind I of... think performer's a great word, actually. Like, my family friends, like, teased me when I was younger, like, Oh, there's two people in the room with Katie. Like she's got an audience kind of a thing. Um, <laughs> so I think probably the biggest thing at McGill was that I did discover stand-up comedy and I just, I fell in love with it. It was like, you know, it's like being a, if you're, if you're pulled, if you're drawn to singing, but you don't, you don't want like, you can't rehearse with a band. It's like, I was drawn to storytelling and to entertaining and to cracking jokes and make people laugh and, um, being heard in a sense like I had I had shit to say kind of a feeling and then um discovering stand-up or my version of it in college like I, I definitely wasn't following any sort of like real science to it like a b structures or anything I was just kind of getting on mics and seeing what happened but um yeah that's when I started playing around with that form and I did stand-up I mean I did I've done stand-up for the last 10 years off and on like I I've I was living in Vancouver, doing it pretty full time at one point, like, you know, five, six nights a week. And um, I did it down. I did some shows down in LA and I did, I've done, I got lucky enough a couple of years ago when we made Dream Job, which is a short, a short film we made uh, in 2019. Um, when we went on tour with that film that year, I did stand up before every screening. So I did stand up in the US and in Utah and, Denver and I did stand up in Vienna and, and Sweden and all over the world and it was like we did a tour here in BC of different and I had an absolute blast and I hadn't done stand up consistently in in like I want to say two years prior to that I, I ran I ran an open mic here in Revelstoke for a bit um, but I hadn't like you know perfected or polished a set for to tour with it and on top of that like to full theaters because they're there to see the movies or whatever it was. And it was a huge challenge and I was really nervous for it, but it went off amazing. And, and it was, um, yeah, I, I, since COVID has, has hit, I've, I've like shut down a little bit towards like, I'm nervous now to get on stage in front of a live audience. Like I haven't done it since, since 2019. Um, so yeah, stand up, stand up's amazing. It's it's super challenging. It's really fun. It's like the greatest feeling on earth when you do kind of hit that flow and people are just like laughing and you say something on they laugh again. It's like you're riding the waves of their laughter. And but it's it it also was never something that I was like, oh, I want to do this full time. Like I, I was like, I love this, but I'm not like a purist stand-up yeah. comedian I guess I like to express myself in lots of different ways and it's one of them but it, it's not some, it wasn't the only one you know yeah because like what what KGTV is isn't stand-up right like it's it's no. it's I don't know like and forgive me if I'm using the wrong terminology but it's it gets no bits but it's not like a funny thing happened on the way to the mountain today but it's like you know I watched um I watched dream job and uh, a couple of the other things that you do, uh, I believe you were uh, CMH Gothics Employee of the Month about 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, congratulations on that. Um, I love that you found that. Oh, my God. But, uh, but it's, um, like, it's interesting because, like, the stuff you're doing now, the, the name that I wrote down when I was watching that stuff was, was kind of like a, a, a less pretentious Larry David, right? Like, it's... You're, you're pointing out the obvious and inane and, and, and it's just like, and, and it's funny. Like you, you, your, your bike stickers that sell out almost instantly the minute you drop them, like 
great. Another, what is it? Another hill I can push my bike up. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just... uh, I mean, that's a huge compliment and thank you. Like, it's funny that you say that because there's been, I mean, I probably shouldn't say this on whatever, but whatever, there's been talk of turning the, the whole like kind of reluctant influencer character that I play into, you know, a, a TV show or a web series that, really kind of that we've used Larry David Kirby enthusiasm as a reference for it but it's like if Larry David had to be an an, inter, an influencer and he was just miserable about it kind of a shtick um but the but the milk and honey is too sweet and he can't say no and and it's like so um I really appreciate that reference but KBTV is yeah I mean it, it was enforced our hand was our hand was forced in part by COVID like prior to March, 2020, you know, I had like 7,000 followers and, um, I was really only using Instagram and I was, we were filmmakers. Like I was a director and a writer and I would show up on screen and, um, in these documentaries and, and I would say the stand, my stand-up background informed how I would approach myself as a director or approach how I was on screen or writing or whatever. But, um, it was more focused on those long form pieces. And then when COVID hit, we can Colleen Gentman, who I work with and my team here, we kind of looked at each other and we we're like, well, we can't travel anymore and we can't even really leave the house. And I was living in Vancouver and she was living in Revelstoke and we kind of just, we were trying to finish two fil short films at that time or our, our documentary and a short at that time. And I, I was like, fuck it, moved back to Revelstoke, moved in with Colleen. And we just started doing sketch comedy basically. Um, and filming that. And it was like one woman sketch basically. Um, but it was online and I hadn't ever made that leap before to just feel like, maybe as a confidence thing, I, I didn't feel like, oh, people want to just watch me, you know, doing jokes or they don't want to watch just me doing a bit. They want to watch Christina Lusenberger like shred Ghost Peak and me do a bit around that. Or they want to, they want to watch Hedvig Wessel like crush on the Fair World Tour and me do a, a, a comedic relief around that. But in the last year, you know, because we only really had me to work with in front of the as the talent, as you call it in production, like as the, the actor or the person on screen, like we just realized that, that, oh man, this is really connecting with people and resonating with people. And so we just started doing sketch comedy around um, the, I mean, these concepts that you see now on my social channels, which are, which is the leisure skier, the normie, the average athlete, the, you know, whatever it is, like we've been, we play with lots of different characters and and dynamics but it's like I don't have anyone to play off with off of necessarily because we're sort of isolated here um and that's that's how I would describe KBTV I mean it's become it's become a brand content house more than anything like a creative agency of sorts a production house um is how I describe it and 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 we're doing like we're having brands reach out with messaging that they want to communicate that they they don't know how to say or they can't say or traditionally it would be a, maybe a little gauche for them to say it so on the nose or whatever and but with the comedy that I can create like they can kind of use me as a scapegoat to play into areas that they they haven't before I mean I use Arcteryx as an example but they're a traditionally very serious brand and they've yeah. developed a relationship with me that's been able for them to say like, look, we do have a sense of humor. Like everyone at the head office here knows we're serious and we all kind of crack jokes about it behind the scenes, but we can't say that because it's not our brand and we, we need to be taken seriously in our brand. And, um, but then they pull me in and I can kind of play that scapegoat or, or similar with vocal, like they're a high performance ski, but they know that they don't sell the majority of their skis to high performance, you know, the, the high performance pros are getting skis for free. They're selling to people who ski on the weekends. They're selling to people who have nine to fives and, and ski in night ski or, or ski on the weekend. So, you know, they're like, how do we communicate that? And I'm like, well, you, <laughs> you gotta start talking to them. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's been this kind of really interesting two sides of my brain thing like the marketing element as well as the stand-up or the comedy or the sketch element and and really bringing them together and then 
getting to play it as well it's I mean it's awesome but it's also exhausting and I have my days where I'm like my brain's gonna explode like um but but yeah KBTV is more you know it's it's turned into so much more as as a result and then this team has formed around me which is amplifies it even more you know I have an amazing producer I have an amazing assistant editor and assistant filmer I have Colleen is a DP editor producer director like we have this awesome team uh, of the four of like there's four of us right now and there were five but um it's just like every time someone reaches out to me it's like I want to work with you and they join the team in some capacity like it feels like we grow even more like it's so it's uh, we can do even more um yeah so I would call it sketch comedy which is a long-winded my long-winded answer to your short question is it's, it's sketch comedy for brands I guess I'm not sure fully it's an expression so, it's self-expression go ahead sorry have you have you picked up any uh any companies that are looking to sponsor your leisure walking uh channel that you picked up a couple weeks ago or a month ago or whatever it was <laughs> no i haven't no one's hopped on to the gentle walking trend i don't know why i also don't have a fitspo sponsor yet and i can't figure that one out but um maybe in the next little while here the gentle walking was yeah the, i mean we we actually just did a a contractor a, a, a what's the word a partnership with um backcountry.com and they we went hiking out in radium for three days and we have a piece coming out in the next couple of weeks here that is i think it's hilarious um it was really fun to shoot and it's that playing again that kind of couple dynamic and the the character i'm playing is definitely a gentle walker compared to the partner that she's hiking with um but uh, the gentle walking was kind of forced as a result of a back issue that has since sort of settled down, but I'm not able to do the BC bike race and I wasn't able to lift heavy in the gym for a bit. I had to really shut her down. Um, and then it was really interesting. I, I know I'm tangenting, but um, the back pain i just saw an amazing physio who does centralization of pain work it's called and i basically had put all of the injuries i've had in the last year subconsciously into one spot and it's a they're called like fear-based injuries so your back spasms to protect the injuries around it so i broke my ribs last summer then i broke the down the side I broke two ribs then I pulled a muscle in my back while those were healing sending nerve pain around the front and then I broke the front rib uh cartilage like tore the cartilage and 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 broke the front rib two or three months after that so I had six nerve or bone injuries in the same region in the span of or three sorry injuries in the span of six months and then I just sat on the couch for a week and then I or a month and then I just started like we went heli skiing with my or doing production or shooting this or shooting that then I'm on my bike now I'm in the gym like just trying to get back in shape and my back just basically shut down on me like um, two months ago and I was like okay we're a walker I'm a walker now <laughs> <laughs> well and that's actually one thing that I have noticed is um like th there's a fair amount of physicality to the things that you do like you're you're not uh doing the the Larry David walking down a street in New York, pointing out things that are obvious and inane. You're on the side of a mountain. You're you're with professionals who are taking you to places that a lot of people don't ever get to see from that angle, right? They only see that in a panorama, the shot from a helicopter or something. And and you know there is a there is like a, a certain amount of I don't know about danger, but but like to you do a lot of riskier things to to create and capture all this stuff. Is that something that kind of makes it better for you and, and you kind of find that? Or is it just like, we're going to go and do what we have to do to get the shot, to get the bit, and this is what we're going to do? Yeah, I mean, it's an amazing question. Thank you for that. Um, I mean, I think I'm a skier and I'm a biker and I'm a runner and I love, I've always been an athlete, but I've like, you know, not a good enough athlete to ever become a pro, let's say. Um, but I, 
it, it's it's comfortable to me what we're doing like the and and i mean yeah wink wink but when you're when you're doing production and those things it's often cheated pretty heavily to main ensure that the whole crew is safe like when we shot dream job for example and we we're out on ghost peak like yeah don't tell anyone except for the people that are listening to this podcast but we flew in um we had a crew of four including a sound guy a production assistant a dp christina and myself and a helicopter pilot um and we shot the scene we didn't rope up which if I had been a, like an LA actor, I think we would have roped me up, but I could handle being where I was without being on a rope there. Um, obviously Lucy could walk down into the, the couloir and not have an <laughs> issue with it um, or down climb into the couloir and not have an issue with it. But, and then we um, sent me on a few laps where I, I it looks like I skin up from the valley bottom or whatever, but it was a minus 25 day um I did three laps of this and every time I had to go shimmy down the side I had to do like a, a step where I was like facing down a cliff basically and and flip my skis around and I was in walk mode or whatever and I thought to myself at that time I'm like you couldn't you it's like you're in, as far as like LA standards go like I'm doing a stunt right now but right. as far as like Revelstoke standards go, it's like the most basic thing in the world is to know how to navigate around a rock like that. You know what I mean? Um, so it's kind of this like dual skill set almost is having the stand-up background, the comedy background, sketch, improv, whatever. But then having been a skier and been a outdoors person for so long, like that, it feels comfortable to me. Um, I will say that like not being in shape to do what I do, I, I do notice like it's, it's really hard on me. Like I've worked so hard since then to get strong and healthy and fit. And if I'm not, if I don't feel strong and healthy and fit, I can't, I can't like have the strength to also do the performance. Like I'm, I'm like just trying to survive. Like we've had days where we're ski touring out to somewhere to do a shoot. And I'm like, just trying to get through the ski tour or we're, we have to, bike however many kilometers to do something and I'm like just trying to handle the biking like it's it's mentally very taxing sometimes to be like doing improv while also having the physical challenges of of whatever sport we're kind of like satirizing at that time but that's why I spend so much time have started spending so much more time I should say like I really only started working out consistently in March of of this year I really noticed it when after the rib injuries like when we were at Micah this year and we were shooting with Ian McIntosh for vocal and I mean he's an insane athlete like he's been a pro skier for 25 years and he's just he's built like he's the most efficient skier I've ever seen skied with he's so fast he's incredibly strong and talented and, and a beautiful skier and you know he skis and his upper body doesn't move like he's just he's incredible to watch and there I was trying to like keep up with him for a shot or even if it was just a split second shot or even just be able to like you know reset and back to ones and do it again or get a line and but I'm also like responsible for the like comedy aspect of it you know and I was just like so out of shape and so tired and um I'd wake up in the morning my legs were so cramped like the whole way down that I would have to stand in the shower like a hot shower for five or ten minutes and then stretch just to get just to be able to walk down for breakfast and then go out and heli ski for I mean heli skiing is a hell of a lot easier than than uh, ski touring but you're you you don't warm up you just you just like power skiing right yeah. and you're doing like seven eight laps and it's like and we were shooting fast because Colleen's Colleen shoots really fast too. She has like a ton of experience with run and gun kind of doc style shooting. And I remember just being absolutely wrecked after that. And I, and I said to myself, like when I, when I'm healthy enough that I can get back in the gym, like I have to incorporate this into my life because this is killing me. Like I don't have the energy for, to do my job basically. Well, and it's, it's interesting because the way I, I'm, I, in my life, I'm thinking to myself, like, one of the things I've kind of, I'm trying to learn to do, I've always kind of played 
cowboy chords on the guitar, but I'm trying to learn how to play and sing at the same time. And then when you listen mm. to somebody who's actually like really talented, they're not just like they're they're telling a story with their words and their inflections and then and it's like a whole so some person you've been around a thousand campfires where some dude plays Wonderwall and and everyone knows the chords and everyone knows the words but they're not singing it and then you actually see somebody who's like doing it right and you're like oh I can tell the difference and and that would be similar to what you're doing like you can tell the joke and you can ski down the hill but if you're actually like in shape and it's all in simpatico it's like way more seamless and and that will show up right so it's it's kind of I understand what you're saying that I just yeah in my own mind I'd never thought that you know there's that much one thing would would lead to another that that you'd have to do it but it makes sense how physically demanding a lot of that is right for sure and like I mean that's a great uh comparison like to to it's like embodiment embodiment basically and I've worked with embodiment coaches where they where it's it's above and beyond you know delivering a line or being in the ski suit it's like truly embodying the moment so that like so much of performance is energetic and so, and so much of it is just humans picking up on the other, the, the entertainment's energy is in, I don't care how like not woo woo you are. Like, it's just the truth. You're in a theater and you're watching someone play the guitar on a stage and you're moved by their passion, whether or not you want to, admit, oh, I like the song. No, you're like feeling their passion, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think like for me, like if I'm going to be, an actor and a performer and I'm going to do it in these really physically demanding ways. Like I have to, I've had to spend time and invest in learning to embody or what it means to embody those things. And it's like deep. I mean, self-care is kind of a word that's been overused in 2021, but it's been, it's like deep self-care and it's, it's like really understanding your tips of your fingers to the bottoms of your tips of your toes so that you can, you can channel through your whole system. And, um, and so like, yeah, like on the shoots where I'm not fully in my body or, or like Colleen's like, I always got to go bang this off or, you know, like if it's just like, Oh, let's just go collect the paycheck. Like I can't do it. Like I can't hit, I can't remember the lines. I can't think of funny things. I can't improvise. I can't be there. I can't make it look right. Like I just can't like, so there's so much of it comes back to that having time to rest, having space to be strong, take care of yourself, eat well, whatever it is, which I didn't do before. I like partied and drank and smoked and flew around the world and ate whatever was available and then tried to go out and do my job. I ran on literal adrenaline for like two years. Um, oh. if, if, yeah. So this is the COVID has been good for me in some ways, like the whole, like go sit in your room and and thinking about what you've done kind of a thing, but um, it forced me to get way different systems that have been hugely beneficial. And and that kind of leads to one, something I like to talk about, um, like, and that's like the mental health aspect of it. Like, um, you know, there's, at some point you kind of got comfortable with this is what you're doing. Uh, and, and you had, like you say, you have enough contacts and, and you know, people are reaching out to you. But at some point when you're doing this is, you know, you're, you're confident enough person to stand up in front of a room full of strangers and tell a joke. Um, and, and, you know, you did it at open mic. So at that point, nobody had even really told you the joke was funny. You just kind of thought it was, <laughs> uh, but you pulled it off. You did it. Right. And, and that's, and then you kind of, before you actually put your hand up and say, actually, I think I'm going to try this for a living. There had to be some, some moments of self-reflection where you were just like, okay, is this what it is? And then I know from doing a podcast for six months now or eight months, um, for every yes, there's 10,000 no's that nobody sees. And it it can be kind of daunting sometimes to just pick yourself up off the mat and go and do it again. Can you talk a little bit about how that has been for you, you know, as your career's progressed to the point where, where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. I mean, again, amazing question. Thank you for like, yeah, being so thoughtful. The, um, th those moments of self-reflection weren't just like one time they're ongoing, they're like constant and, um, having a team around me has been huge because I have 
three amazingly supportive people to bounce things off of all the time. And uh, I'm like, is this too far this way? Or is this too far this way? And, and they're, they're so committed to talking about, you know, who we really want to entertain and how we really want to perform, how we really want to show up. And, and they're as passionate as I am about making sure people feel good, making sure the audience feels included and, and making sure people feel, yeah, feel better after they see whatever we're producing. So we talk about stuff a lot and that's been hugely beneficial, I think, for my mental health. Um, it's not so like just me out on my own. Um, when I like, that's where stand-up's hard is it's just you on your own. And then when you finish your show, you go home to your house by yourself and just think, you know, the comics will reach out and we all talk to each other. This, the comics on the shows together or whatever. I was like, you crushed tonight or I love this new bit or whatever, but you're still in your bed by yourself kind of being like, you know, what did I just do? What did I just say? That didn't work. That didn't work. You know, recording your sets and then listening back to them. Like it's incredibly painful sometimes. Right. And um, oh, I can imagine like the, the, the cringe that I have about something that I said, you know, when I yeah told the cabbie to enjoy his flight, you too, you know, and it's like, <laughs> oh, you know, so totally. Yeah. Like imagine that social anxiety or the saying the wrong thing time is a hundred. And you're also like trying to, yeah, get better at it. But I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those things. Cause I was talking about this yesterday, actually, like you really do have to separate your, your personal emotional identity with yourself as an entertainer or a performer. Like what I put out on social media or in the films I make or in like, and it's all been pretty small audiences. Like the audience is really just starting to grow now. It feels like anyway, um, it's been like a, it's been for me, like adjusting to that a little bit as well. Like, okay, these people are watching now, like they're paying attention. Like I made stuff for a decade that like 800 people would see, you know what I mean? Or yeah. there was a 50 person crowd or every once in a while we would do like a, a stand-up festival or a stand-up show where there's 250 people in the audience and it was like huge you know and now it's like when we did the dream job tour it was like there was a thousand people in the audience when there's 650 people in the audience one night and I was just like you just have to like expand and just like expand and expand and expand and like I used to tell myself that it was like I had an orb around me and I was only playing to that orb and then people could bump up against that kind of protective orb um but they never could fully access me and I think that served me to a certain degree but then I felt like I was hiding all the time um and as a as a person who's like using their life to create comedy or being inspired in their daily life like you have you have to be like like utterly honest or you only get so far right yeah. people your your audience is smarter than you they're like we i can tell you're not telling us everything kind of a thing mm -hmm. you know and and so then i had to like deal with that like why do i only want people to get this close or why do i only want to share this much and what is this kind of fear or this shame or this thing i'm hiding and doing work around that i mean i've worked with um i'll call her a clairvoyant healer um, I've worked with astrologers. I've worked with, I actually have a really powerful astrologer. I, I have had sessions with recently who's blowing my mind. Um, I've worked with therapists. I've done psycho psychologists. Um, I've had like dark nights of the soul, but they were like six months. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like fully depressed, antidepressants, short-term disability from my nine to five to to deal with these, the intensity of like, I'm an incredibly sensitive person and I really had to learn. It's like a skill set. It's, it's not just like, you're just confident. It's like a skill set of how to be confident or how to understand what confidence is, or what are the, what are the tools you have in your tool belt to like implement your confidence? Like I think about it more as like a verb, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm being confident. I'm running, I'm walking, I'm being yeah. confident. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
I'm lifting this weight, I guess, you know, it's like you get better at it, the more you kind of do it and the more you learn about it and understand it. And, um, I think, I think it's, it's like one of the, one of the most empowering things that I've started understanding is that everyone has a way that they're supposed to show up in life. And, um, I mean, I've looked into human design for it, astrology, uh, therapy, personality testing, all these different things, but everyone has things that they're drawn to and everyone is, everyone has like a purpose in their own way. They're, 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 my astrologer, my current astrologer says like that there's like a lot of people that are here to just be here. And then there are people here with purpose and they, they have to show up in a certain way or they become like a menace to society basically. Um, and I think getting over for me a little bit of the, like, I was afraid I was vain or I was afraid that I was a narcissist or I was afraid that I was attention seeking. I had these like kind of negative words attached to the fact that I just like have stuff to say. I need to express. I want to express. I want to perform. My brain's like always telling me things I should say out loud or I want to say out loud. And when I started to sort of alchemize that and understand it as like this is your this is your divine purpose and there's no judgment around divine purpose you don't judge someone who's dying to be a professional hockey player and will go and will do whatever it takes to be a professional hockey you're not judging someone who wants to be a singer for you know you're not judging someone who wants to be who can't stop doing math they need to code or whatever it is like why, why are you judging yourself for wanting to talk or wanting to share or wanting to perform, you know? Um, and I, I think I got, I think that's been a hugely, um, empowering understanding for me. And then I also just, the, the mental health stuff, I mean, it's constant work, but it's also like when, when I've started to make, when I've started to get the feedback that I'm making people feel good, that's been like, okay, like this, this feels good. You know, yeah. when I was just, when I was doing stand up, it, it felt a little empty for me at times. Like you, you'd make a room laugh, but there was, that was it. Like, then you go home and there was, you know what I mean? Like, and you're doing jokes about you. And I was younger, I was in my twenties and maybe I was a bit like, I, I didn't have as much, you know, sort of depth or whatever, but jokes are kind of surface and they're, they're clever, you know, what I mean? whatever it was, but now I feel like people are like, you're making me feel like I can do something I didn't think I could do. Or you're making me feel like you helped me in my relationship, like get over the thing or you've helped my, con like, I'm like, okay, cool. Fuck. Now I, I have a yeah. real kind of purpose to this and it's, it's bolstering in a sense, you know? Well, it's funny. I, uh, actually, I interviewed, um, this summer, uh, a fellow named Jason Lamb. He's a He's a morning show host in Victoria. Oh yeah. And and he dabbled in in uh stand up. Well, not dabbled, he was a stand-up comedian. He he really tried hard to make that his career for a number of years. And and um, you know, kind of in the early you know, back when Vancouver really had a, a thriving scene, he was he talked about like a 15-year-old Seth Rogan coming in with his parents to the to the clubs that he was working at. And he said a lot of the same things, like, you know, it's 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 a the highs are high but uh the lows can be low and there's a lot of alone time and there's a lot of self-doubt and and so it's interesting he he ended up going back to college and getting a, a degree in um, broadcast journalism and now he's a morning guy and and he still kind of gets to be funny you know totally. in the morning and and but he's reading the news and he's part of a team and, and he works for like a patterson radio station and and yeah. he he talked about how you know trying to be funny back then 15 years or whatever that was ago um there wasn't iphones everywhere and you you say something and if you push it a little too far you know you were fine but he's like i had to quit because if i was in a room and and somebody was was getting after me and i said something uh, i may lose my my day job because of something that i said you know i, yeah. I and and so it's it's interesting when you talk about all these things like you're you're the person with the mic you can you can kind of control all that but as we've kind of our society's progressed um you're you're the person with the mic but you're the only person 
unless somebody goes out and does a bunch of work on Facebook who has any repercussions for something that's said during that time. And, mm-hmm. and at that point, you know, like you say, you have a little more depth now, but you also have all these other things that you stand to lose. So at some point you kind of mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go do this other thing where I control the output. You know, there's six or eight of us at the top of Ghost Peak. And the one time I, I you know, didn't do it exactly right, that goes away. And it's just, this is what I get to present yeah. as Katie, right? And, that, totally. and that, as you get a little older, that has to be like, <laughs> you know, really something that you're like, this is mine now. My orb, like I opened it up to let people in yeah. and now I'm closing it back up a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. I think um, the nature of the live audience with stand-up is definitely nerve-wracking. Um, at times, I think, I mean, the alone time is hard as well. I think maybe it's a control thing for me. Like, I'm definitely a bit of a control freak, but there's something about the mental like hurdling you have to do to figure out how to shoot it, light it, present it, script it, deliver it and time it. That is just more interesting to me than stand up ever was. Um, I, I like that teamwork. I like, I've always been drawn to film and TV. I like what goes in. I love how much goes into it. I love the imaginative aspect, you know, with stand up, it's so much like person to person, you know, my life, you know, your audience, my life. Um, with film and TV or, or sketch or these these shorts we're making, there's so much more like magic to it. There's so much more playfulness to it. And I just, so I think the combination of me being able to control the environment as well as like have that, have enough, just enough magic for me, like it, it definitely makes me more comfortable. Um, I also think like you're right about you know, the way that scene, the scenes have changed over time. And, you know, fortunately I was, I was raised, you know, relatively, uh, unignorantly. I don't know what my parents like did a decent job of, but it was still the eighties and the nineties. And, and, you know, we've, we've changed so much as a society, even in the last two, three years that what's funny now wasn't funny what's funny five years ago what isn't funny now and and the way that people are talking five years ago isn't the way people talk anymore and um like there's that fear of course of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing or getting canceled or whatever it is like but I think that um like having that team in place having the having that environment or ecosystem around it like you can create so much more intentionally or I have found I've been able to create and express so much more intentionally than um when I was doing stand-up the other thing with stand-up is like you're doing five shows a week and I had a nine to five to pay for my life because I didn't make any money doing stand-up made 50 bucks here and there or whatever but um you're like right I was like writing new jokes at my desk at my job and you're just like saying the same thing over and over every night. I got sick of hearing my own goddamn jokes. I was yeah. like, I'm sick of saying the same shit. Like I, and now every, I'm like, I said to Colleen the other, I'm like, I have, I can't think of anything else. I think I've tapped. I think my resource is over. I've said too many different jokes, like um, <laughs> sort of on the full end of that spec, other end of that spectrum. But that's also working with brands. Like we've had so many, pieces this year that we've created that haven't seen the light of day because they're just a little too they're just pushing the edge a little too hard or they're yeah they're um they're 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 comedy pieces they're not brand pieces and and when brands are involved we we had to dial it back and tone it back a little bit so yeah it's kind of I mean it's an endless balancing game but um you're right like you 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 do get to spend you do get to have that that control over how you're showing up and how, and how much you're presenting of your real life. You know, I, I ran into, or I didn't run into, but I, my, my, uh, our guy for the backcountry shoots an old friend. And, and he said like, yeah, you know, I check in on your, on your stuff all the time. And it's like, 
I still don't really know how you're actually doing in your life. Like, I don't really know what's going on in your actual life. Like, you, you know, it's, it's entertaining. It's fun, but I don't know what's really, what you're really up to. And I'm like, I mean, that's, that's been decided. Like that's been considered and, and decided on. And it's actually like why I love doing podcasts and talks and interacting with people in the DMS or whatever. Cause you can like break that barrier yeah. to a degree, but. Well, and that's, that's, that's I, like we spoke about earlier. That was one of the things I, I came in kind of not knowing what to expect from this because right. it was like this, this person, the, what she presents out on her Instagram is, is very kind of curated in my, is what I thought. Yeah. And I thought, man, if she's like that in real life, I'm going to be like constantly going, is this a bit? And then, and then of course <laughs> you were like, no, that's, that's who that is and, and it's interesting um you you talked about a little bit about it earlier um and i just kind of wanted to to revisit it and talk about like the the dream job short and then the whole kind of cycle that went with that like there was like 50 some dates on that circuit if i remember i didn't write it down mm. i should have mm. um and then you said you were performing stand-up and it sounds like you were kind of all over the world um is is that type of comedy does that translate everywhere and, and how was that received because because you're 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 doing your stand-up and then you're kind of presenting this and it's it might not be the same thing what was that experience like yeah it was um it was actually amazing in terms of like I, I mean it's like market research in a sense like you're like okay people in Vienna don't think anything's funny <laughs> got it <laughs> uh kind of a thing or if you're going to entertain a Viennese audience, like you better, I actually got on stage after the screening and was like, I knew I should have brought a piano and they laughed. And I was like, <laughs> Victor Borga over here. Right? They like didn't laugh at anything in the movie, but they're also the subtitles didn't work. So I don't know if they got any of it, but um, <laughs> it was like, I'll never forget that night. Like just sitting in that theater, like after every theater, like, people howling and laughing and clapping and like just talking to me after the show in Vienna it was like you'd hear a pin drop kind of a thing and all the laugh lines and we were like this is different like are they not getting the jokes or is like this not Austrian like is this not funny like to them or something so it was really interesting and I mean um for me what blew my mind on that tour more than anything was that people had heard of it like oh. they'd, they'd heard of it and they'd come to the, like there's 60 people at a, at a show at a pop-up store in New York. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what, you know? And then there was a hundred people at the show in Salt Lake City. I'm like, how did you guys hear about this? Like, um, I think we had four, I think I had 4,000 followers when we announced, like when we launched Dream Job and then we started touring it and people were just like coming out and, and supporting it and it was really exciting um it was really exciting and it was uh it was like okay like very um what's the word um validating for Colleen and I and everyone yeah. that worked on the movie to be like okay people do want something different they do want something fresh the the traditional model of ski filmmaking and ski media and just out, outdoor action sports media in general is is getting shaken up here because people are loving this um and doing stand-up in all those different ways like in all those different places like it pushed me creatively like I, I had to write literally new shows it felt like in some of those places like okay I know this joke's not gonna work this joke's not gonna work this joke's oh shit I don't have any jokes for tonight you know like yep. well what are you gonna do tonight when you're in in uh, Hamburg, you know what I mean? And some of it was like, I got pulled onto stage and I would just start storytelling or, or some of it was like, I was actually doing a show. Um, there was a little bit of pressure or there was, I should say there was a lot of pressure towards the end of the tour and people had really started like picking up like all oh, this chicks, like funny, she's gonna make it. And then I started feeling like this, okay, I gotta go out and entertain, entertain these people. And, but, but I, I don't have a set that works in this context because I'm coming on stage after the show, after the film screen for a Q and A in this context, but they, they want me to be funny, but it's not a standup set. So I don't have jokes. So hopefully the person doing the Q and A sets me up so that I can say something funny, but 
so it was very like it was nerve-wracking at times and and I'm just I was really hard on myself during it as well I think like if I had I spent a lot of it I, I spent a lot of it kind of in awe like what is happening you know what I mean yeah. like what like I remember when I showed up to the 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 festival the Kendall Film Festival in in the UK like we I did a show at the van at North Vancouver for 650 people which at that time was the biggest audience I'd ever had it was a, in a the most stunning theater in North Vancouver the mic was like oh like you could just and every sound was like so clear and the audience was like perfect and they like laughed at all the right times and hard and like I felt like I was like this I've peaked I was like yeah, I, this yeah. is it like I have to retire after this nothing's ever gonna be better than this show in North Vancouver and uh we got on the plane the next day and flew to London and I didn't sleep on the planes I was still so high from the show the night before on adrenaline note and then we took the train out to the out to Kendall and got picked up by a driver in Kendall and I was like we have a driver and then it took us to this really nice hotel I'm like this nice hotel and like pick like the driver like waited for us to freshen up take us to the show I'm like okay now I'm getting nervous you know what I mean like (laughs) and then we we get to the show and it's like I look at Colleen I'm like I slept on the train I think I slept for like three hours on the train that was it so I performed and then I've been awake for 24 hours and I got three hours to say like look at Colleen I'm like how big is this show she was like I think it's about 200 people I mean it's a small town in in the northern part of the UK we walk in it's like a full amphitheater and I'm like oh my god you know and I had to get on stage and then I remember thinking for that show like I've done I've done it now like I'm I'm fucked you know because the Brit the British are notoriously funny and incredibly dry and like more sarcastic than a Canadian could ever you know, aspire to be, but I'd just been performing for Americans and then they like, don't do sarcasm in the same way. Like you got to hit them right over the head with the jokes. And then, you know, and then I was in Canada and then I was like, all of a sudden at the bit and I, and I was like, maybe a little bit having a bit of a, like, I'm pretty sick moment after this Vancouver show. And then I got on stage with these thousand British people and was like, Oh God, got my first laugh, got another laugh, got it. You know, and I was like, okay, like I have them and I got them and I like, I got the room and, um, <laughs> and then, and then they, and then we won the best documentary of the thing award. And I'm like, what is happening? Like my brain couldn't process the opportunities and success that we were having simultaneously to having them, you yeah. know, like I remember punching Colleen in the leg when we won the award on stage, like, lol thinking it was like a joke almost and then it was like oh fuck like they're handing us the award and then she like was so like nervous and just crazy excited that she just like broke the award in half it was like this beautiful piece of like sculpted art and she just like broke it in half like on stage we're like we're losing the plot a little bit like we're just having so much so much attention and 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 it was i mean i shouldn't speak for colleen but it was like it was jarring for both of us in different ways. Like we both found it really hard to deal with. Like in some ways, like we just made this little goofy thing for 50 grand that kind of got more attention than we ever could have expected. And here I was being asked to do stand up all over the world. And, and she's asked being asked to do talks and she hates talking in front of crowds. And there it was a lot, it was a lot, but it, it, it expanded us in ways that was amazing and awesome and necessary. And, and and we've kept going like you just kind of grow into your new clothes is I guess how it feels or something that's a interesting interesting uh, analogy um I did I did see an interview with you on uh on the internet on YouTube um from April of 2020 and you mentioned a new dramedy that was being released in the fall um try as I might I didn't I couldn't find it anywhere Oh yeah. So I'm just curious what that was about, and if there's if there's something out there we can go look for. So that's Coach. Uh, It's a film that we made on the Free Our World tour, following Hedvig Wessel and Lorraine Lorraine Huber, who um, was the world champ, is the world champ for the tour, and and Hedvig has been 
very close to winning it a few times. It has come in second place um, twice, three times now. Um, she is, we felt, we followed them for three months working as a coach athlete duo and the, the relationship didn't work out like their coaching relationship didn't work out. And we thought we were going to make like, you know, a, a, a women's empowerment, you know, coaching and breaking the rules of what it means to be 40 in the ski industry and also being like an explosive young talent. And, uh, we ended up having to tell this other story, which is, which was better ultimately in my opinion, but it was that, um, you know, the way that women have been traditionally shown up in action sports movies has have had to be perfect and glossy and all this kind of stuff. And this wasn't, um, and it, it did a run last fall. It was, I mean, there's, I could talk about that movie for, I could talk about that experience for way longer than we have, but it's, uh, it's screening at Banff, uh, in oh. November at Banff film festival in November. Um, last year it screened at Vimp and then we just pulled the plug on it. Actually, we released it online and private for private, private sale viewing. Um, and we've actually pulled it down because it's now being, it's like had a second birth almost like you're a second kind of, there's all these film festivals that are interested in it all of a sudden. So we had to take it on offline and it's going to do another run this fall of film festivals. Um, and then we'll, we'll put it back up on, on YouTube. We'll put it on YouTube for people to just watch for free after the, after the um, film festival run here. But it's interesting. Cause it's like, it didn't, it, it, it didn't get, um, we didn't do that much with it in terms of distribution. It didn't get oh, that yeah. many eyes on it. And then it's like a year later, people want to see it again. It's really interesting. You never really tell what is going to happen with these things. Um, so that comes out this November and then we are working on a feature this year with a, like a proper script and cast and crew and, because um, well, in that in that interview you said uh in development is a euphemism in the showbiz for unemployed so i've noticed that you've you've been very careful to say you don't have these things in development you say that you're you're working on these things and and, and doing these things yeah yep the uh i'm definitely i mean i'm in development on one thing you could call it like there's no money coming in yet on one thing um which is this, which I was kind of talking about earlier, that, that reluctant influencer concept, but the, um, the movie that we're making this year is it's finance. It's ready to go. It's going to be freaking epic. I can't believe it. It's a dream come true. It's like, I've always wanted to be an actor, director, writer for Hollywood yep. style movies. And, uh, we're getting our first kick at the can this year, um, which is, incredibly exciting it's still an indie budget and an indie cast and crew but it's the real deal um and it's taking everything that we've learned in terms of action sports filmmaking and everything that i've learned as a doing semester doing some time at i did a two semesters at ucla and screenwriting and it's um yeah we're getting to we're getting to like combine everything and and it's gonna it's gonna be another massive expansion because it's gonna push us outside of our comfort zone big time yeah um calling as a dp me as a director and an actor it's intense it's awesome though it's really exciting so so that that kind of is the the way i kind of like to wrap this is we talk about all these amazing and cool things that you've been doing. And we talked about some of the highs and we talked about some of the lows. And and I think we've actually got a very reasonable picture of, of kind of what it's like to do what you do. What does success, what is success today for Katie Burrell? Like, I, I'm curious because you've talked about some really like incredible things in your life that, that you know, probably if you're being honest with yourself, were like wildest dream type things. And then you've talked about some things that you're like, it sounds to me like you were like, no, this is kind of what I knew I wanted to do from such and such a date and age and whatever. So what, what do you do now that's, that makes you go, yeah, that's the next thing. That's what I want to do. That's what success looks like for me. This feature movie is the, it's the dream. It's the absolute dream. And then 
I think, I mean, I can guarantee you right now that as soon as it's done, I'll be like, what next? Because part of my constitution is what now, now what, what next? You know, I'm, I've been like that since I was very young, like, um, you know, I'm like insatiable in terms of things I get interested in and, and want to like take in and take on. And my best friend Carter, she's always telling me like, like, it's too much again. Like it's too much again. Like, what do you got to get rid of again? My dad does this analogy of, uh, he always tells me like, you have a boat and your boat starts to sink. What's the first thing you throw out of your boat? so my parents are often, and my best friends are often like, what, what's got to go out of the boat? Um, but I, I, I think making a movie, making a proper feature movie that feels like a solid piece of entertainment that makes people laugh, that makes people have a good time, that we learn that skill set, and then, um, you know, mastering honing, developing that craft, not in that order, <laughs> honing, <laughs> developing, ma- developing, honing, mastering that craft. You know, I, I, I love movies. I love TV. I, I, um, I love entertaining people, make people laugh and feel good. So I think my success as of now, like my wildest, wildest dreams now are our career, a full-blown career in, in film and TV. Um, and I'm getting my, everything I've, everything I've done since leaving my job full time, I mean, doing stand up, doing improv, whatever, doing the courses, having the, leaving the nine to five to, to do this, pursue this full time, all the things we've made in the last two or three years, they're, they're all like, they've all been preparing me for this one. And then this one's going to prepare me for the next one. And the biggest thing I've had to do is let go of planning. Um, I'm like a Capricorn, heavy Virgo energy, like very planny, worry, self-deprecate, like doubt. And I'm really having to like shift and shed that and move more free flowing. I don't know what's next, but I'll take it when it comes and I'll show up as every day for myself so I can show up for that. And like, um, so for me, I'm like, success is that is the consistency and the consistency is going to beget greater and greater opportunities as I go. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm on earth for an exciting career. I, I, I know that. So I'm like, so drawn to it. And, you know, obviously want, obviously like success is defined different ways at different times in your life. I know I want to have a family and, and do that kind of stuff as well. Um, but I'm like, so drawn to entertain it, entertainment. I don't know why I just always have been. So getting paid to make stuff is a pretty epic life. And I'm really fortunate and grateful and feel really like, yeah, I feel just super grateful to people like yourself who are curious about it and, and, and what I'm up to. And I, I feel, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time to ask those questions. We should like to thank Katie for spending as much time with us as she did. That was quite a quite a varied and insightful interview. Katie really brought the the straight facts about what goes into a life of creation like that. And I think it was important that we mentioned how physically demanding some of the work that she does is. It's it's really if you've ever been on her site uh, or or on her Instagram and went and watched what she's doing, you know there is definitely a, a, some risk that she's kind of inherently putting herself through there. And, and it's interesting to see that she's doing all the work in the background and, and it's a very calculated, uh, you know, structured thing that she's doing, even when it may not always look like it. Really a lot of fun to chat with Katie. She she spoke uh, very, uh, very succinctly and very honestly about what, what it takes to to do that for a living. And that's, that's the kind of straight talk that we want. You know, she had an opportunity to work a nine to five and and she knew that this was her calling. And as she said in the interview, she knew her life was going to be something different than the nine to five. She knew she had this kind of lifestyle ahead of her and she's not done yet. She's still collaborating and creating and doing lots of fun, neat things. And it's just great to, to have an opportunity to sit and chat with somebody like her. So uh, thanks very much, Katie, and and again, Sophie, for for the work that went into making this all jive. I know sometimes it can be tough uh, managing schedules, but but we managed to do it, and I think it was well worth the effort. 
we've had a great run here at the last little while with uh, the second act podcast the the feedback's just been incredible we have people reaching out to us telling us that that stephanie Rosari or greg german or uh word up with jen or or seth anderson are all you know giving them a little piece to their puzzle and, and that's what this is all about there's no easy way right way uh there's no there's no wrong answer and there's no test at the end so that's what we want everyone to understand here um we're doing we're doing kind of the thing that we love to do by highlighting people doing what they love to do and hopefully that you guys are are listening you you love to listen in and, and do it too so as i always say there's no wrong answers and there's no test at the end so make the most out of every day the second act podcast would like to thank ben sound for the intro and outro music Happy Rock. That is www.bensound.com. We'd also like to thank Chin Whiskers for the promotional consideration. You can find them at your local Tommy Guns, Original Barbershop, Amazon, or chinwhiskers.ca. And we would also like to thank you for listening.